Awesome. I planned for a little bit shorter message today uh, because I want to invite up Daryl. Uh, Daryl is uh, Bearville, if you know, met him yet, but um, he's going to be doing a presentation uh, at the Capitol Theater on Good Friday at 7.30, and uh, part of that is to promote his book as well as do a concert. And uh, he's written a book called Epistles to the Pope, which is just a bit of story about his family. His dad grew up in the residential schools and all the trauma related with that. And so uh, I was going to invite Daryl up. He's going to talk for about five or ten minutes, and then uh, we're going to show a clip of uh, some of the stuff from his concert. So I haven't done any uh, rehearsing for this or anything. I'm just going to add lib, but uh, I'm really glad to be here. I really feel like God brought me to this church a few years ago. And I'm just going to briefly tell you what, uh, why I'm up here. And um, so here it is. I had a rough childhood. Um, never really understood what was going on. My father was a complete mess. Um, you could say he was, well, I'm not going to say what he was because my mind has changed about my father. But anyway, uh, my brother and I ran away from home. I was eight, he was 12 because it was just too much to, to be there. We lasted one week in the city of Edmonton. I'd already been a street kid and so was my brother, so we knew how to get what we needed. It's called stealing. And uh, then we got caught and we got brought back. Um, so later on, my father kicked me out of the house when I was 15. My mother, who really took a lot of uh, abuse, she was a piano teacher, so I was, had been learning piano. And I lived two very distinct lives. One, a classical pianist. Two, a criminal. <laughs> really. And so at 15, I started studying privately at the university because apparently I had some talent. But then, about when I was 19, and I had been doing very well entering competitions and so on, I started to, to develop a, a very bad anxiety disorder and I had insomnia and I became just too dysfunctional to stay in the university and I quit. From there it was a journey down into the pit. I really have to tell you in, in my book I call it the pilgrimage to hell. And it was a living hell that I ended up enduring. And at the end of that period it culminated in two overdoses and uh, the second one, I really had the, what they call the near-death experience. I, in that moment when I was gone, I was looking up into a black firmament with little points of light, like, an, uh, like a night sky. And I knew I was dying and I prayed like I had never prayed. Uh, I didn't want to die that way. I asked God to save me because I knew I was finished. And indeed, he brought me back. I was 29 years old. It was such a distraught time that I couldn't stay even in North America. I ended up leaving on ill-gotten gains for six months and went on a basic uh, spiritual journey to India, of all places. And upon my return, I moved to the Kootenays 
because I got a message at the end of that six months to leave everything that I had going on and just get to the Kootenays, get back to my music, and take it from there. So that's what I did. And then when I was here, I tried to, as I got back into the music, I tried going uh, into doing a performance. And I realized that my anxiety disorder was so, so major that I simply couldn't do it. Um, I had a couple of really bad experiences where I was going to do the concert, the audience is there, and I just turned into a wreck and had to cancel, you know, and uh, that was quite embarrassing. So I realized that the deep-rooted kind of wiring that I had received through my early years was still really in there. And I ended up leaving Nelson and I went out into the little Slocan Valley and immersed myself into the indigenous native culture for 12 years. And it was a 12, 12 years of real healing. I got involved with shamans all the way from across the United States to the Amazon. And I was involved in bringing them up to work with other native peoples here who were, you know, had a lot of problems with alcohol and drugs. So along with my own healing, I was involved with the healing of others. And that was a really beautiful thing. Then, uh, about six, seven years ago, I, started, I was looking after my mother who was declining and I looked after her for five years. And I had studied, I had been studying Jungian psychology trying to figure out <laughs> why it was that my father was the way he was and why my family was so wrecked, my two brothers and, my, and myself. And I finally, you know, realized that he was a classic case of uh, a person who had experienced uh, sexual abuse as a child. So my mother and I talked about everything before she passed on. I mean, we were like, we were just, we loved each other. It was so wonderful. And I came to her one day and I said, you know, Mom, I think that the why, the why Dad was the way he was is because he was sexually abused. Well, there it was. You know, my mom looked at me, tears came to her eyes, and she just nodded and she said, yes. That's what happened, and I said, you've got to tell me everything. Because we knew nothing about my dad's childhood. It was, uh, it was just kept secret. So she confessed to me what had happened to my father, and I asked for the details. He, he was brought, he was abandoned by his family when he was four, along with his two brothers, and they were placed in the residential school. Well, it just so happens that because once I found that out, I got in touch with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And they ended up supplying me the records of where my father was interned, you know, in the school that he spent years in. And we had a lot of conversations, and they, they indicated to me that because my father didn't have his parents, and there were other children who didn't have parents, like other Native kids, they were the ones that were targeted for the most se severe abuse because they had no one to complain to. They were always in the convent. They didn't go, there was no home to go to on weekends or on holidays like some of the other kids. So the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission gave me all these documents, like hundreds, that I went through. And in the course of the conversations with them, they said, you know, you're really communicating quite well 
about what happened, you know, like your life with your, in your family as a child. And they asked me if I would consider writing a memoir. Well, that was a hard consideration because I knew I would have to start remembering everything and I'd literally buried it all. Well, it came to the point where I came as close as I think a man can come to to feeling pregnant. <laughs> Something was building in there and it just got to the point where it, the intensity was just too much. And I left and I went to New Zealand. When I was in New Zealand, I had a, what you'd call a mystical, very, very powerful dream. And in that dream, I remembered everything, like everything that happened to me that was done, that was said. I mean, it was, it was just unreal. I woke up in the middle of the night and I realized I got to write the book. And I started writing the book right then. This is the book. So, um, you, if, if you come to this event Friday, you'll, you'll learn a lot more if you get the book. You'll learn all the details of really what went on and how horrific it really is the, what, what a lot of these children and my father endured. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, like people don't really generally recover from that. My two brothers never recovered. My older brothers, he died. He had a, an absolutely miserable life. My other brother is really uh, very dysfunctional, and he, do he doesn't even know. He still doesn't know what went on because we've been out of touch. I'm hoping that we'll be able to get together soon and that he'll, uh, he'll, he'll begin to understand because when I understood what happened to my father, there's no picture of my father in this book because none of us have a picture of my father. We wouldn't want to have a picture of my father. You know, because we hated my father. That was, that's the truth of it. But I don't hate my father. <laughs> I love my father. <laughs> and I understand what happened to him. And uh, I pray that he's, and I believe that he's in a good place because it wasn't his fault. You know, they, they made him what he became, and it affected all of us. And I'm saying that God brought me back. He brought me back from, from death, really. And my life is, is really just dedicated now to, to God. That's the way it is for me. And what happened is I've been healing so much because I realized that all the things my father told me weren't weren't really true and they weren't what he really meant in his soul. And so I started to heal and now I've been able to get up in front of people, like even now, I wouldn't have been able to do this eight years ago, I would have simply fallen apart and left. You know, and now I, this Friday is gonna be a very big test because I'm bringing the book out and I'm, I'm playing a concert of really fabulous masterpieces. So on that note, I wanna say I'm not a victim at all. And I am not playing the victim. I, I, I shared with you some of the dark side for sure, and, there, and it is dark. I've seen the face of evil, that's how I feel. But I've also seen the face of the Lord. And I know that that power of the Lord, His love, His forgiveness, we're all His children. 
And we love our children, so he loves us. And as soon as, you know, he, he did everything. He, he, you know, everything that happened, his way of bringing me back was all his grace. Because I would have been finished if I would have been left in the hands of evil. So I'm so grateful to the Lord. I don't feel like a victim at all. I feel like totally empowered when, and under the Father, under the Lord, with his grace, that's how I, I can do what I can do. I know I, I still go through dread thinking, oh man, I'm going to be in front of all these people and i got to play this, these great pieces of music and oh my God, you know. And then I just start breathing deeply. I think of the Lord and the peace comes over me and I surrender and I say, it's up to you. Lord, if you want to take me and be able to get this message, then that's what's going to happen. So, just to give you an idea of, of where it's coming from, we got two clips that we picked from a couple of some YouTube sites that I have of my piano playing. And I've selected two here, just short clips of it, from Beethoven. All right? You might think, well, why are we playing some Beethoven, you know, in, in a church? Well, I want you to know, I have studied Beethoven thoroughly. I've read everything that's probably been written about him. He was a truly spiritual man. And he was up against the most, he, so many things came up against him that his music is a testament of the spirit and a spirit that had surrendered to God. His hearing was taken away from him. He, so he couldn't even hear the beautiful thing that he loved the most. His, the woman that he, the one woman that he was in love with was married off because of the aristocracy. So she was gone. He had all the hopes for Napoleon who had promised that he was going to bring democracy because Beethoven believed in that we were all equal and he saw what it was to, to be living under tyranny. And so he dedicated his third symphony to Napoleon. But then Napoleon declared himself emperor and went on the tirade. So Beethoven took that original manuscript and scratched out the dedication and said to a once great man. Well, that got back to Napoleon, so when they invaded uh, Vienna, Beethoven was on the hit list, so he had to go into hiding or they would have killed him. Anyway, uh, fortunately, Napoleon was defeated, but that gives you a little sense. And then later on, Beethoven couldn't hear any of his music at all. This, the second clip is the Ninth Symphony from the Second Movement. It, it's a demonstration. Beethoven said, I'd just go in the woods. And I think of God and the music just comes into me. It's coming from God, I go home and I write it out. He never heard it. He didn't have the pleasure to hear that, that great music that came that he said, this is, just comes from God. And he was a truly spiritual, spiritual man. The first is the Fifth Symphony. And they're the most famous eight notes ever written. Everybody in the world will recognize those first eight notes. So on that, I hope you will, uh, if you'd like, support. And I also want to say, for anyone who may not, you know, that it may be difficult to, to get to the concert, you may be like me, living month to month, I want you to know, you're all invited. If you somehow can, maybe next week, get me your name, I'm going to put you on the list, the guest list, so you can just come, because I'd be honored to have you there and, uh, to, and to have your support. That'd be really great. So, 
on that note and the notes to come, here's, here's me at the piano and this is what something of what you'll see at the concert. Thanks so much.